But I didn't want to be spherical. I wanted to... I wanted to... <laughs> okay. Hello, 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 and welcome to Well Shit. It really is that simple. I'm Claire. And I'm Serena. On this podcast, we help you to understand about your 12 universal needs, why they are currently not being well met, how to meet them in ways that work for you, and how to consistently do so in quick, easy, and simple ways that fit seamlessly into your life. We'll also help you to understand how doing so will have a positive ripple effect in literally every area of your life. If you like what you hear, sign up for more support with meeting your needs with your weekly universal needs notes at theuniversalneeds.com. And enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. Okay, I'm just going to own it. I'm a little stressed right now. It's been a little chaotic here right now. We've got people staying and there's been like people here and everything. And we've got a little recording window before uh, an appointment. So <sighs> I'm just going to take a deep breath. Deep breath. Shake it out. Shake it out. And I'm in the room. <laughs> it reminds me that I don't. Do you do you know who Paul McKenna is? Mm-mm. Like he was a hypnosis guy in the um, like in the nineties in the UK. Um, and like when he would bring somebody out of a hypnotic trance, he'd be like, "I'm back in the room." Like I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, I'm back in the room now." <laughs> like I'm here. We're here. We're here. We're here present. And we're talking about something really, really important today. Mm-hmm. Like really important. Um, and it's something that I think that a lot of people experience Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people experience it kind of silently like it's not something that gets it gets talked about a little bit more these days Mm -hmm. but I know that there have been times in my life where I've maybe felt well there's 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 a very big time in my life where I absolutely felt this Mm -hmm. um and I don't think I really shared it with many people at the time if anyone um like going back I shared it sort of retrospectively but um it's kind of a little sort of silent issue Mm -hmm. for a lot of people um but that actually a lot of the time adds to its power um so what are we talking about today we're talking about Imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And this was prompted by uh, a post that you saw online. No, actually it was a community request. And oh, then, yes, it was. You're absolutely right. Then yes. after the community request came through, there was a post online that um, one of my friends uh, was struggling with imposter syndrome. And, I, you know, it was it was I think. It's a little bit backlog. So it was a it was a while ago, but it's kind of when I started to first really hear imposter syndrome come up amongst my friend group, mm. which is interesting because like um, we were just kind of refreshing on uh, a situation that happened. And it's like this seems to happen more with women who like will outwardly say it, it happens with men all the time. I'm going to say it does. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to make one of these kind of sweeping statements. I don't normally make these. I'm going to say it does happen with men, with women more than it happens with men. And there's a needs based reason why that's true. Um, and it's, it's not to say it doesn't happen mm-hmm. um, with men, but I do think it is uh, disproportionately an experience that women have in the working world. Well, just from the sy- systemic standpoint of yes it. exactly um so um so yeah you're right it did, I'd totally forgotten it came in as a as a community request um do you want to kind of just sort of summarize the post that you saw that really um I don't know what the word is like it, it, it kind of it amplified the, mm-hmm. the 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 energy and the emotions around it for us like when when we saw it we're like oh we really need to do something mm-hmm. about this so I have a um a friend acquaintance like we're not close friends or anything but um back home uh or back where I grew up oh that's weird (laughs) (laughs) it was always a home base for a while and now there's no home base there so where I grew up Uh um a woman that uh, married somebody I went to high school with she worked her ass off and started this little boutique business I remember when it was like just friends like sending like hey look at this cute scarf and Mm. then all of a sudden there's um a huge online business like it's it's a small business but like a very well done online business and then there's a storefront and I mean this girl was always like she put herself into her work. Kind of remind yeah. I think why it resonated. It reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of us because she's somebody that has done the work her you know, 
she's the one that forwarded her her brand, her right. business. She's she, the one. She built it all herself. She built it all scratch, herself. And yeah. she had amazing support around her as well. Mm-hmm. But this was her baby that she cultivated into this beautiful adult. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> and somebody sent her the nastiest letter. And she actually, she had fought back and forth whether or not she was going to post the letter. And she posted it to a fr- her friends. Like she mm-hmm. put it in her business page. And... They ripped apart every aspect, every aspect of what. Like it was personal. It, it wasn't was, just this was a bad customer experience. No, and his and his like his. This his was my another experience. business owner in town oh, just nasty. being nasty. Like mm-hmm. and that's and to find the post, I'm like, oh, I want to find the post and just refresh myself. I typed in the word nasty because I remember that was one of the words that like. Right, it just really resonated. It resonated because yeah. that's what it was. It that's was the like energy behind it. Body shaming, business Ugh. shaming, like this is all luck. You don't deserve this. Like it, it's a fluke how you got here. Like all of this stuff. Like mm-hmm. this woman didn't pay herself for six years. She's She treats her employees like family. Like she's yeah. always making sure she's paying them enough. And that means like sometimes she's, you know, she'll take the hit on herself mm-hmm. before she allows her people to do that. I mean, that's entrepreneurship a lot of the time. Like, mm-hmm. That's owning a small business. Like that's like the you know, like you're you're saying this. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like well, if you've if you've if, if you've built a small business, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how this stuff works. And there's a lot behind the scenes that nobody nobody could even imagine no. when you're doing your own like when you're an entrepreneur and trying and a lot to of people own- think that it's like an overnight thing where it's like oh you just like created like overnight it became this success mm-hmm. no well, that's was, when you noticed it's me. the visibility <laughs> the visibility shifted overnight but there's like years of work behind the scenes that get you to that point and that was kind of part of it too they were like they were ripping on how she was promoting her business on social media and stuff like as somebody who hates social media like and i feel like I'm on the cusp of the generation that was like, you can kind of take it or leave it. Like, I feel like there's there's a generation that is so ingrained, like social media is so like, like this mm-hmm. this is life. This is part of life. I remember life without social media and I remember it being pretty peaceful. Right. So like, I'm, I'm going to say, I think that's more of a you thing than an our generation thing. The whole take it or leave it. I think the generation before us is much more take it or leave it. I think most mm-hmm. of our generation are squarely in the in the social media as a part of life. They maybe are not connected to it in quite the same mm. way the the next generation is. But I think I'm that that's definitely more of, of my friends are more yeah. that generation. So it seems yes. seems a little more Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, we're all 25. No, none of us are 25. So <laughs> No, we're not. Um, <laughs> Nor would we want to be. Oh my god, no, I wouldn't no, want to be twenty five no. again. No. no, not even with what I. Oh, like, no, no. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Mm-hmm. So, um, she, you know, she was just trying to grow our business, and she got this nasty, nasty fucking letter. I mean, and it was just like you read it, and you're like, oh, like you can see that the person on the other end has some serious things they need to deal with in their own world. Right. And there was a lot of projection, and some of it was very obvious. And she even named it. She's like. I know this isn't true. And she kind of, um, toy. Uh, she was torn as to whether to respond to this letter or not. And mm-hmm. she's like, actually, no. Like, I, I yeah. know how I'm operating and I want to clear up these points. And she went through and she broke it down. And it, I mean, it was beautifully done where she took the emotion out of it, which is not easy and especially like, I would have had trouble taking the emotion out of it. And we do this like Well, and a lot of time the whole taking the emotion out of it normally is repressing the emotion. Mm-hmm. I like whereas what we would do is we would feel the emotion, release mm-hmm. it so that it's not part of the equation. Like right. and normally there would be several iterations of said letter. <laughs> yeah. The first one would be like, you fucking what? Like, yeah. <laughs> like it would be like all the emotion would be there. Mm-hmm. And then you keep writing the letter until it becomes the point where it's like the emotion's been processed. So it's not a necessary part of that. The, the, the writing of the letter actually is a lot of our processing like I mean I can't tell you the number of letters that Serena and I have sent where there's like version 13 mm-hmm. version like 12 like it's like because we take that that that's part of our process it allows mm-hmm. us to do our emotional process and I'm um, sure she had to have yes. done that in yeah. some in some way yes but it, I read it I was like okay mm-hmm. and then a couple of weeks later she posted about imposter syndrome and she's like you know what? I know I know who I am. I know what I've created. I know I worked hard for this and yet I'm questioning it. Mm-hmm. I've stopped doing TikToks. I've stopped going running because apparently it doesn't it doesn't matter that I'm, you know, trying to 
do the best for my health. You're saying that I'm X, Y, Z in the negative. Mm -hmm. And it was so heartbreaking to see this woman who had built such a great small business and is continuing to build and is continue has not gotten to a level of success and has been like, look at me, here I am. It's what can I do next? How can I get into the community now? How can Mm -hmm. I like... How can I help support more? Yeah. Yeah. How can I support in totality? Mm -hmm. So to hear that she was dealing with, I'm like, how can you look at what you've done and think it was a fluke? Like, you know, that's not the right, not the situation. And she did know that. Right. But she could not get her brain out of thinking like of the imposter, the imposter syndrome mentality, which is. I didn't earn this. I didn't like this is luck or I don't deserve to be here. I didn't like. Well, and let's like let's break down. If you don't know what imposter syndrome is, like some people may not have heard the term. Basically, imposter syndrome is where you feel like an imposter and you're afraid at some point somebody is going to find you out. Mm -hmm. So it's like you believe that you don't uh, you haven't earned the job that you've got or that. You don't have the right skills or credentials mm-hmm. or experience to do the job that you've done. Um, and um, and you're worried, like there's this constant fear that somebody's going to call you out at some point and be like, oh, what the hell are you doing there? No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. We need to get somebody qualified for this. And so that's what that imposter syndrome, and it, it takes many different forms, but that's the most common one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens a lot in corporate life oh, um, yeah. where, especially when um, we're in this kind of um, age where we're trying to start to... Um, rectify some of the imbalances in some companies are starting to rectify some of the imbalances in their teams especially higher up um, and they are wanting to promote more people who are from marginalized groups including women including um um uh, Bebent people, so that's black, brown, indigenous, melanized people. That term uh, was created by according to Wees. Um whether it's um people from different um any kind of uh, intersections of those of, of, of different kind of uh, marginalized groups there's this kind of trying to get more of that visibility and that representation and that leadership because the um, the the um, business science proves that the more diverse your teams the, the better they perform um, and that's both in terms of gender and I'm not, I'm not going to get into all of that. But there is um, certainly in some cases, there are companies that are trying to rectify this imbalance. Um, And then what ends up happening is that somebody who has been systemically devalued by society and a lot of the time from a business context has been devalued in terms of they haven't uh, been recognized, they haven't been promoted, they haven't been um, uh, compensated appropriately for um, what they've done and now we're in these higher levels and the reason that imposter syndrome like from a needs point of view let's put a needs lens on this um, the reason that the, the the basic root of imposter syndrome is where your internal sense of value is not matching with the external perception of the value that is being placed on you by being in this position so what's happening is that how you feel in terms of your value and the value that is a kind of um, put onto that role, you're not you're seeing a mismatch. You're seeing that the value, your internal value, is lower than than this role is, um, and that's the thing is that where you have people who've been systemically devalued, um, and that's the reason I said it, it happens more to mm-hmm. women than it does to men because we are systemically devalued comparatively within our society. But then when you then take those intersections even further, the more marginalized you get, and the more intersections of marginalization you sit at, the more amplified that is likely to get because of the systemic devaluing in our culture of those people so uh, a white woman is going to experience it to some extent a black woman is probably going to experience it even more um a black trans woman would probably experience it even more so it's like that's where this um uh, the, the the core of it from a needs point of view is that how i feel and how i value myself is not congruent with what this this value is and that this friend that serena's talking about is that um and this is this is one of the the reasons that this is such a tough thing to address because the challenge we have is that we can cognitively know that this is true. We can cognitively know all of the time and effort we've put in and all of the skills that we've got, but there's a difference between knowing it 
and knowing it. And if you're watching, if you're not watching on the video, I'm pointing to my brain and I'm pointing to kind of my body and my heart. Um, so there's knowing it at your brain level is one thing, but we need to feel it. We need to believe it. And the challenge that we have is because of how we are relating to, I mean, the value need sits at the um, in the uh, trunk of the universal needs tree. The value need is one of the most chronically unmet needs in our culture, period. Like when I work with clients, I the different extent to which that value need is compromised varies depending on the individual. But I have not yet had a client who has had a well-met value need. And I'm going to go a little further than that. I don't think I have met many humans on the planet who have a well-met. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean arrogance. I don't mean self-importance. I don't mean trying to prove how good I am. I mean congruent internal I have this value and I know I have this value and I live and interact and move through the world as if I have this value. I'm seeing lots of nods from that mm -hmm. side of the it, recording yeah, booth. You, again, in my head, I was just about to say that. Like, I don't know many people. And so, I mean, human ourselves, sometimes we're, you know. Oh, we have moments. Slippy floppy on it. And it's like, oh, we, no, no, no. When, and, and it's not surprising because we live in a, we've talked about this before, we live in a society that systemically devalues us, mm -hmm. all of us. And then the, that that uh, compromise and that devaluing is exponential once you start to look into the different levels of marginalization as well. And so, of course, where we have this this chronically unmet value need, and, it, and that chronically unmet value need manifests differently with different people mm -hmm. because it's like for some people it will look like imposter syndrome for some people it will look like big ego because that's their insecurity they're trying mm -hmm. to make up for their insecurity or arrogance or self-importance um so those two things often are two sides of the same coin like that not feeling good enough and that giving the impression of better than everybody else or better than others is a lot of the time both rooted in an unmet value need because it's the insecurity that's manifesting in that way. Mm -hmm. um, the interesting thing is that um, there was something that you said in this, which is that, I mean, interestingly enough, um, I've had an experience that recently where um, somebody was saying things about me that were categorically untrue and was very, very hurtful. And the interesting thing about it is, is that there is a part of you that, that like, I'm like, I know this isn't true. Mm -hmm. And yet, because we have had a lifetime of conditioning of you are not valued, you are not valuable, you are not good enough, you are not worthy, which means that even when you have done a lot of work to build your value need, and this is the, I mean, this is the the antidote to imposter syndrome, the antidote to all of these things that are rooted in the I'm not good enough, uh, and the, that that kind of core belief that sort of sits inside us, rather than in our brains, the one that sits inside us going, I don't feel good enough still. Um, the, the how you rectify that is to actually take time and cultivate your value needs specifically do things that will start to create this um start to move the 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 um that recognition of your value from a mental thing into an emotional thing and into something that's embodied and that, that will come into some tips on how to boost your value needs a little bit later um but the interesting thing is is that because we've had this lifelong conditioning of you're not good enough even when you have a pretty well well met value need, sometimes something will hit you sideways and it'll be like, whoa. And that old stuff will be like, hold on a second. It's so ingrained in us and it can, it can still get triggered um, even when we know it's not true. And so this is why it's, like I noticed that one of the things that was interesting about the post that um, that Serena's talking to, there was one thing that really stood out to me in it. Um, I didn't even mention it to you at the time, but I was like, ding, ding, ding. I uh, was like, she said something along the lines of, if you're experiencing imposter syndrome, just let it go. And it's like, hmm, 
there's a kind of that a lot of the time looks like repression mm -hmm. like it, it or looks like repression that that that's what you're doing is you're just like <clears throat> I'm just trying to not feel it anymore I'm trying to uh, or I'll try to distract myself from it this is what happens when we have these unmet needs where it's like that we're like I, I'm going to do something to distract myself from feeling this or something to try to convince the rest of the world and sometimes try to convince myself that I'm feeling good about this and I've let it go mm -hmm. and it's all fine um and the truth of the matter is the only way that you can actually quote unquote let it go one is to process it like and I feel how you feel mm -hmm. about this it's okay to acknowledge that I feel this way and whether that's because you've had some nasty person send you a letter that's completely untrue um or whether that's because you're sitting you've like own name the fact that you've spent your entire life being told you're not good enough mm -hmm. and now you're being told to can like confer this value on yourself those two things like it's okay to feel the way that you feel about that like that's human mm -hmm. to if you've been told that you're not good enough and now all of a sudden you're being told you've got to value yourself at this level there's a gap there we've got to try and bridge that gap it's okay to feel that way it's okay to feel angry about the fact that you have been conditioned this way it's okay to be upset and sad and to grieve for what could have happened if i hadn't been conditioned this way mm -hmm. like when you think about like where we would all be if we hadn't had that conditioning of like not being good enough. Wild. Well, I am um, shocking information about to come your way. We're all just trying to figure it out. Like news to me. Shocker. <laughs> and no. I, I have a lot of friends that have been dealing with this lately and it's like, Oh, well this person came in and you know, I'm, I'm in this job right now and this person came in spouting off all this lingo and I don't know what they're talking about. And it's like, let's uh, retail retail. There's so much lingo. There's merchandising and you know, there's other bingo like, like pos like, uh, like point of sale and those sorts of and things. like different different things and to somebody else it might be a cash register and window decorations or to somebody else it's this and that and the other yeah. thing and it just happens to be that one person uses this one person uses this you're talking about the same thing right however the person using something that's more of a professional or um industry term sounds like they know more and maybe they do mm-hmm and maybe they're just figuring it out like you are. And maybe they're using the lingo to try to give the illusion of value so that they can feel better about themselves. I have an actual real life experience of this. So I worked uh, for a company many, 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 many years ago. It was my first kind of real job, job, like office job as opposed to not, not, not to say that the other jobs weren't real jobs, but it was like the first step in terms of my career, I suppose, mm -hmm. as opposed to just jobs that were before that. Um, and I was in charge of special projects. I worked in IT. I shared this with you, um, uh, with people on the podcast before. Um, and I remember I was responsible for um, a, um, they were, uh, I worked for a company that made um, DVDs and CDs when those were things that people actually used. Um, and uh, we had a warehouse where we would store them all. And then we had the sales department, a marketing department, a council, that sort of stuff. Um, and we wanted to, they were wanting to update the, the, the server, the database system that everything, basically everything was using. So, um, we had a team come in to help figure out what it like design the new system. But obviously they had to make sure that the system was going to work for um, the, the people who were going to be using it. And I remember, I remember the guy that, I mean, the, I never, never enjoyed the guy that worked for the company um, who was like heading up this thing because he would talk in um, jargon to make himself look better than everybody else. And so that everybody else is going, what the fuck is he talking about? Oh, I God, know people that, know? yeah, yes. to, to purposely confuse other people. Yes, or to make other people feel like they're, they're less than or they're not good enough. And I remember, so it was quite funny actually, because now bear in mind, this was my first like career job. So this was in when probably the year 2000, 2001. So I was like 20 years old basically um and maybe 21 
And I remember sat in the boardroom and at one end, I had all of the tech people who were building, building the system. At the other end, I had all the warehouse staff who were actually going to be using it. And I was sat in the middle and this guy would go, well, basically, blah, 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 blah. and he'd jargon, 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 jargon. And he, I think he hated the fact that there was a young girl who understood the jargon that he was saying, which meant that he couldn't make everybody else feel like crap because I'd be like, what he's saying is this, 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 this and this. And then the warehouse people would go, well, what we need is blah, 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 blah. And then I would be able to translate that into text speak for the people. I mean, I literally translated the entire meeting between the two things. But the key thing was why? Like, why are you using jargon? Mm -hmm. That person was using jargon to make himself look like he was superior in some way and to make himself feel better about himself and to, to make himself feel more valuable. Mm -hmm. And... I believe there was a conscious part of it that was to make people feel less valuable because that's what he needed. He didn't actually need it, but that's his strategy for feeling more valuable about himself was for other people to feel less valuable. Um, I mean, just listen, that's a shitty way to run a business. <laughs> it's a shitty way to run your life. I mean, like... <laughs> I, it just... Oh, people, people sometimes. And, I mean, and like... I think that's part of the reason. Like, he did it so that he could charge more money. yeah. Because look, I, look at all the things I know. And it's like, mm-hmm. and as, someone who, yeah. as oh. someone who worked in technology, the most valuable technology person is the person who can communicate with everybody, mm-hmm. no matter what their level, in a way that they can understand. That's valuable. That's uh, having been in HR. And that's that's an area I felt imposter syndrome with when I first started, because that's before Claire and I started even working together. I was kind of, I was in the needs sphere but i had because i talked about it all the freaking time yeah. <laughs> and, and re- if you remember i i understood it at that point which she got she could have taught it at that point i, I mean <laughs> remember that i don't want to talk about that <laughs> but yes i do um but i had never done hr like you you go to school to h to do hr like as a director and like and down here a lot of people kind of have to figure out different roles that they may not mm-hmm. have thought they were ever going to go into but there's a need there's a an alignment and it just happens to work out and they're the best person given the circumstances given the circumstances and that kind of happened with Mm -hmm. me I started out as an assistant and then it was like okay do you do you think you have this and it's like actually I do now from HR there's a corporate part of it and then there's a human part of it you know mm-hmm. human resources I le- leaned one way more than the other and I'm sure it's not hard to guess which way I leaned <laughs> it was not corporate and to the corporate people I didn't know what I was doing and there was a little part of me that was like oh no I don't know what I'm doing because I didn't go to school mm-hmm. for this and I just did blah 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 I've been a manager I have worked with some of the most challenging people from a customer standpoint, mm-hmm. from a management standpoint. Yeah. From I used to work for VPs directly, like in multiple of them at the same time. Like intense situations are my thing. <coughs> like problem solving, trouble, mm-hmm. troubleshooting. Those are things that I'm just good at. But they these these higher ups would have me questioning, mm-hmm. and then especially when our values didn't quite align, it mm-hmm. was like, oh, what do you know? And I'm like. But this is humanity, Actually, and this more is more than you do. Yeah, and then once because <laughs> you didn't learn this shit, I know about right. the need stuff. Right, and then once I learned the need stuff, and especially with the value need, I'm like, I'm coming in, I'm getting the job done, I'm doing a damn good job. Yes, it's different than what X Y Z may have done. If you don't like it, let me know, and we'll we'll figure out a way that works for all of us. But like, I was questioning myself I'm a, almost daily. I'm gonna say, but here. But like all of what you've just said, yeah. But the thing was that you were actually doing a better job because <laughs> you were bringing in the human element, mm-hmm. and so much of the corporate stuff it is it removes Ingrain- that, and it's ingrained learning that a lot yes. of people who have had this training, and not saying like I am not discounting training oh, and education yeah. or anything like that, but you know. You learn on the job. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I see this works. I see this doesn't work. Like, what if we do, like, tweak this right. and make it just slightly more human? Right. Well, and it's funny. Like, so, like, my my big imposter syndrome moment was when I began coaching. Um, I'd done all my stuff. And the thing is that what when I began professionally coaching, shall we say, 
I had been coaching my entire life. I, in, in lots of different ways, I was always the go-to, the people who would come to for help and support and advice. Um, and I'd gone through, I'd done my trainings. I knew what I was doing, knew what I was doing. Um, and I remember being like, I felt like I had to have all the answers to all the questions that anyone might ask. Mm-hmm. And what happens if someone asks a question and I don't know the answer? And that's the thing is that when you don't value yourself, that's what you think is like, well, if I don't know the answer, it's the end of the world because maybe at that point they'll figure it out mm-hmm. that they don't know what the answer is. Now, if I don't know what the answer is, funny, like Serena actually asked me a question the other day about something and I was like, I'm going to have to think about that. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of nuance in here and I've, I haven't, I, it's going to take me some, what, some time to kind of unravel this and figure out from a need, from a need standpoint. And obviously I am one of the world experts on needs like the US government just basically declared that by giving me my visa like I am an expert in this and even I and I, I'm like yeah I'm like I'm not going to give you an answer just so that it looks like I know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about I want to make sure that I'm representing what I believe to be true and I'm doing it in a way that is in alignment and it, it, it that I'm not missing anything in doing that I would never would have done that when I first started because I was so terrified of being caught out as the person who didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. You rather it, it was almost like you had to put something in that. You space had to have an of, answer. Mm-hmm. I find that a lot with this business too because obviously Claire created what we're teaching, so I came into it and yes, I live it, I breathe it. We like this is this is our lives. Yet still, there are some times where it's like somebody will ask me something and I'm like oh, that's beyond me. And now I say that and it's like, let me check with Claire on this Mm -hmm. one. There was a time that I'd be like, no, I can't say that I'm going to Claire. I'm just going to, you know, like either make it up, (laughs) (laughs) vomit verbally all over you with some sort of, you know, whatever my mind comes up Mm -hmm. with. But that was a value thing. It was like, I I have to put something out there and now I can be like, I'm going to go to the source on this one. (laughs) And that doesn't make me any less knowledgeable about what we do or any less successful in what we do. And it's the Mm -hmm. same thing for a while. Anytime was like, oh, you have a podcast. That's That's cute. cute. I was like, like, and and for a while it was that like deflate of like, you think what I do is cute, not valuable, not. Game changing, not not anything. It's just, oh, you're filling your time with a little hobby, aren't you? Because that's how they'd say it too. Yes. Like it was never like, oh, that's well. There are some times, oh, that's awesome. You have a podcast, that's but so there cool. was a lot yeah. of times it was like, oh. I think I think that was also because a lot like during the the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was starting a podcast, oh, and it's like everyone's got a podcast. That like, too. That yeah. too. Like we we're two years into a weekly delivery podcast. Yeah. Like this is not just it's not something we did on the spur of the moment just mm-hmm. to see if it would work. Right. Um, there was some kind of thought behind this. Um, the interesting thing is actually I think that when you start first joined the Universal Needs. There was a some there was a lot of imposter syndrome oh, yeah. I saw in you like where well, I, I valued Serena I knew the value she she's was she's like what do you think and I'm like uh, uh. <laughs> she's like somebody would be like oh what do you guys do and she'd be like Serena and I'm like Claire <laughs> it would be just an introduction to an introduction because I didn't value like and I was the one like when I pitch it or not that, that's the thing yeah. There is no pitching. There is no pitch. <laughs> when I just talk about it, people are hearing my live experience with it, which is from somebody who has learned from it. It's better than yeah. like I created this. Yeah. And now here's finally, the thing it- I've done, and here's why it's great. No, that's never gonna. That's not gonna go across as well to somebody. Mm-hmm. Then this is the thing that changed my life. Right, and which- it doesn't have to. And that's the, that's the thing. It doesn't have to be a pitch. It doesn't have to yeah. be this corporate box thing. Like we know my feelings on boxes. Get the fuck out of my <laughs> space. But I was trying to do that because that's what professional looked like. That's what success looked yeah. like. That's that's what you had to do. And it's like, no, I'm a relaxed, chill type of person. Mm-hmm. Like. And also the thing I would say is that the interesting thing is, is that what was interesting in this particular situation and actually the situation that Serena had with her HR situation, I'm not sure I've ever articulated this to you in quite the way I'm about to. I love when that happens Um, on camera. (laughs) Is that Serena had brought more value to that role than somebody with experience and expertise would have done. Mm -hmm. If somebody like the fact that, um, Serena didn't have the the HR training meant that, she, but she had the experience of being one of the people who was being supported, 
quote unquote, by HR, mm-hmm. um, she knew how to communicate with them. She knew how to support them way better than the corporate drones did. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing when it came to joining my business. And, that, and this is one of those where people are like, no, no, I don't understand that. You created it. You were the one who came up with this. Surely you're always going to be the person who's best at this. And I'm like, ah, 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 ah. No, the thing is, I know it too well. Mm-hmm. is that Serena knows how to speak to people who are just starting to come into this sometimes in ways that are better than I do because Serena's more recently at that point where she didn't know it mm-hmm. and it's it's a new thing um a great example is that I mean there was a point in time where I knew how to do images for our slides better than anybody else on the planet because I was doing it. Now, I can't hold a torch to what Serena does um, because if she can't find it, she creates it. Um, And it's like some of the stuff she comes out with, I'm like, that's really fucking cool. (laughs) It really is. And Uh, I have zero graphic design background. I just fucked around with copy, paste, like simple editing things. And there was a while that I'm like, "Mm, I don't know, but like you can see this. Like, it, it took a while of Claire being like, no, that's actually, like, I can't, I, that's awesome. I, like, that's good. And I'm like, yeah, actually, I am pretty bad at it, ass at this. Like, yeah. so let's, let's, let's get into, so, I mean, we've, we've all had experience with this to a greater, lesser extent. I, I know. And I'm, I'm, I'm mindful of yep. where you're at. One place that I want to mention this, and I, I don't think we're going to get into that. We're not going to dive deep into this, but I just want to know. And yeah, just <laughs> off the top of my head, we know how this one goes. Parenting. Parents, parents, parents. I was parents, already parents. in your head. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I knew where oh, you were going with this. So many, so many parents, but especially moms. Yeah. Especially moms. It's like you're ch- like, like you have clothed and fed and kept like, alive. Kept alive this <laughs> being. Like And you know them better than anybody. Yeah. And so many parents, I'm not good enough. I'm not I'm like what I'm doing isn't enough. Like this value is like, oh, and it And a lot of that. When are they going to find out I'm not a Pinterest mom? I was like, you know what a Pinterest mom to me is? Somebody who has failed cupcakes and an art project that was supposed to be a giraffe, but somehow it turned into like a hippopotamus. Like (laughs) that, like it's does it's not perfection all it's not perfection ever well and that's the thing is i would say a pinterest mom is the illusion of perfection Mm -hmm. and i think that what we're talking about is authentic parenting which is which is being real (laughs) and the thing is that i think a lot of the the thing that's contributed to this parental thing is that there are a lot of people who don't have kids who are the perfect parents <laughs> like it's funny how like everyone's a perfect parent until they have a child and then all of a sudden they realize what I the would reality never is do that. <laughs> we've like we've both done it in the past and now we're like we've got a very different perspective on it and so <clears throat> i think that 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 it that it, again it's that conditioning thing mm-hmm. where it's like we we hear things so many times and we then start to believe it and because that parenting vibe Oh, parenting vibe? Where the hell did that come from? That parenting aspect is landing on the already just me as a human being is not enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, one neatly triggers the other and it gets amplified. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're absolutely right. And I and uh, this is something that shows up in so many areas of life. It happens in um, relationships. Yes, it does. It does. It, no, it def- I've <laughs> seen where I was going, but yes, yeah, it does. I yeah. mean, people who are like, oh, they're going to find out I'm not I'm not a good wife or I'm not yeah. a good like and I'm going to stick with women for because that's what I can speak to. But yeah. like, yeah, I'm not I'm not a good wife. I'm I'm not doing enough. Oh, I did. A, I, I've heard this before. Oh, I had to do a freezer meal like I, I'm. <laughs> my freezer is about to be full of meals that's all i'm gonna eat basically you're fed like it's it's okay Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes it's it we forget to tell ourselves it's oh it's okay it's okay that it's not exactly what we wanted to be like yes i would like to cook a six course meal every night (laughs) screw that i'd like to have the capacity the uh even with the capacity (laughs) that is not where i'm spending my time but still like I want somebody else to make me a six course meal every night. Now that I could get on board with. But <laughs> Fair enough. Fair but I think enough. that it's, it shows up in a lot of different ways. Like how many people don't dance because they're not good dancers? Mm-hmm. The point of dance is not to be a good dancer. It's to have freaking fun. Joe like, used to say that. And he is the most amazing dancer to watch. Yeah, he's, it's true. Like, yeah. and we're, we're dancers. So like trained dancers. Trained dancers. And it is amazing watching him just feel the music. And it's not bad. It's just different. Different. And it's like. <laughs> No, shake your little, 
Take your do little, it. Yeah, absolutely. Do it. And that's like same thing we're seeing. Like we get mm-hmm. like we frequent one of the the best karaoke bars on the on the island. And the amount of people are like, oh, I don't want to sing. I'm not a good singer. I'm like, the thing I love, and I've said this to everybody, the thing I love about, about Bobby's monkey bar is it doesn't matter if you're mm-hmm. great, it doesn't matter if you can't hold a you don't hate one single note, the whole bar will be behind you. Mm-hmm. Be like, yes, you go do your thing. We're here supporting you. And so often it gets this this it gets in the way it's like this idea of like oh there's a value conferred on being um on stage in a karaoke bar and i don't value my own voice that way so i can't get on stage it's the same it's a, it's the same pattern mm-hmm. it just we don't see it as imposter syndrome because it's um there's a very definite um situation in which we see those sorts of things um and it, it, but it shows up in every area of life and the the basics are we don't feel good enough and we're afraid of doing something. And that's, and at work, we, I mean, we can not do it, but I mean, generally speaking, if we don't do it, there's we get a consequence. We feel like we have to figure it out because mm-hmm. if we have to, like, we, if we can figure it out, then we'll keep going, we'll keep getting a paycheck and maybe nobody will find, find out. But in other areas of life, we just don't do those things. And it means that I need to get compromised because dancing is not something you do because you're good at it it's something you do to have fun Mm -hmm. singing is not something you do because you're good at it it's an expression same thing with art like oh I'm not and I'm not good at that but it's like who the fuck cares get out some crayons and doodle like Mm -hmm. it like it doesn't have and that's the thing is that there's so many ways in which this showing up compromises our needs I'm really curious as to what you're looking for I there was I think I have it at a screenshot and I'm trying to not drop down the rabbit hole of going to search for it there was something there was a post that spoke to this and I think I if you got it you you talk and I'll (laughs) anyway so what do we do about that what do we do about this the most important thing with this is to start to meet our value need. Now, the the, fe- the best way of meeting our value need is by meeting our needs because what tends to happen is our needs aren't met and that gets internalized as we're not worthy of having our needs met, which means our needs don't get met even further, which means that gets internalized as our, our needs are not worthy of being met and that self-worth spiral goes down, 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 down. So as we've said before, it, the spiral works in the other direction, which means that if you do something to meet your needs, even if you don't feel worthy of it, the fact that your needs are met will be internalized, maybe just in a teeny tiny way, but it will be internalized as I'm worthy, I'm a little bit worthy of having my needs met. And if you that will have you be more likely to do things to meet your needs, which means that you'll start to feel more worthy, which will have you meet your needs, which will start to be worthy. And that spiral works in the other direction as well. So <clears throat> the first thing is do things that are going to be meeting your needs, because by doing that, you are going to be saying, I am worthy of having my needs met. If I'm worthy of having my needs wet, I have value. Like that's a, that's a, it's the equation. It's how it works. But there are specific things that you can do that really are, um, about supporting the value needs. So there are things like you can just take a moment to remind yourself of your value. And what I'm going to suggest is that when you do this, make sure it's not just a mental exercise. Make sure that you are actually taking the moment to feel it. Because it's very easy to go, yep, I have value. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference to be like, really take a moment to feel that I have value and breathe in that feeling of I have value. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to, I felt like there was a, jump in oh no i was pointing at the difference between your your head and your heart again yes i I do have that thing that i was talking about you want to you want to yeah i'm gonna try and summarize it just so because i i don't know who the person is who wrote it and i don't want to you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) not knowing i rather (laughs) just kind of do the summary of it yeah um basically it was somebody who is an archaeologist and they were on a dig and somebody was asking them get to know questions and like you know do you play sports you know What's Mm -hmm. your favorite subject and blah, 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 blah. And so we went through all of these things and he's like, I do this, I do this, I do this. And the person was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, you know, you do so many things. And they were like, no, no, I'm not really good at I'm not good at any of them. And the person that they were talking to said, I don't think that's the point of doing things. Like, it's not to be good at it. It's to gain all of these wonderful experiences and mm-hmm. and have all these things. So as Claire was saying, like, people who don't dance or don't craft or don't, like, I feel like in such a creative community, especially, like, yeah. that we are, there's so many people that do things. And then there's that counterbalance of so many people, oh, I can't do that because it's not going to look like this, that, or the other right. thing. 
it's not supposed to. It's supposed right. to look like your thing. Right. And, you know, glitter. Glitter for me was a shit show until all of a sudden it was like, oh, look it, I figured this out. And then there are certain things that I've done and I'm like, well, that was fun to learn and well, I'm done. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is that like you're never going to be, well, that's not true. Um, it's unlikely you're going to be good at something the first time you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like it, it can be about the learning. Mm-hmm. Like learning is part of meeting our needs. The self-expression of it. Right. Need, well, like, that's different. Like the learning is one thing that meets needs self-expression is another thing and it's like it doesn't have to look good to be expressing who you are or how you feel like it's like how do we how do we do this thing that that really honors what is present for us all I can think of is having like a lump of clay and being like I'm supposed to make a mug and then coming out with some sort of lumpy creation and it's like well apparently I wasn't in a mug mood but like (laughs) Look at this. So this. I made a thing. Here's the thing I and made. And it felt good yes. to smush and yes. to like, I, w- I didn't want to be spherical. I wanted to. Mm. I wanted to. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I, there have been times where I feel like, and that's the thing is that in order to, in order to, um, we, we, we think that in order for something to have value, there has to be a point to it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time in our society, the point is good or perfection mm-hmm. and the point can be experiencing the thing whatever it is the point can be i mean like what's what's the point of a uh, what do you call them the smash rooms the um where you go and smash uh, shit yeah, up yeah, a smash room, a rage room, a rage rage room. room that's what um um and it's like um what's the point of that like the point of that is to just feel how you feel and get it out um and so by honoring your needs by honoring the things that you need um, that you're going to actually support your value need more and more. The key thing is, is to, to um, it can be helpful to, to kind of do the mental exercise of like, as, as Serena's friend said, like, I know this is true. I know that's true. I know that's true. But the problem is when we make it, I know that's true, is that we assume that we're then going to feel that. Mm-hmm. And those two things are not necessarily the same thing. So yeah, you can go through and do an audit and go, well, this is true and this is true and this is true and this is true. But then with each of those things is to go, yes, I know it's true. How does it feel to know that it's true? How does it feel to know I've done this degree? How does it feel to know I've got this experience? How does it feel to know that the US government said I'm the only person in the world who can do what I did? Like, that's a big deal to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, but there's a difference between going, isn't it cool that that happened? And how, like, taking a moment to feel it, like, like, I said, like, breathe it in, like, to every cell of your body, like, this feeling of worthiness, this feeling of value, this feeling of this thing being true. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so a lot of the time, we're like we're caught up in this mental um like prison where it's like we only exist from here up what we want to do is start bringing that down and feeling that more within our bodies and when we can do that that's the point at which we're able to start to shift this because as i said mentally we may know that like it might not make any sense we're like Mm -hmm. logically i know i'm worthy of this logically i know i can do this and there's a difference between your logic and there's as I said knowing and knowing mm-hmm. and you want to get to the point where you know it so if that is the bit that you need to do that's the the, the bridge you need to traverse it's like f- first bring it into the logic like what is it that I believe what is it that I know to be true what are the things I've done what are the reasons that I know I am worthy of this and then take that each one of them individually don't try and do it all at once because mm-hmm. um, sometimes you're going to miss some each of them like take that moment and like take it from your head and bring it into your body and be like Okay, breathe. How does it feel for that to be true about me? Because I know that's true about me. And the second you start to do that, it, it it completely changes things. Something that helped me to bridge that gap was the why. Figuring out the why. Like I I know this is true. Why do I know this is true? Because you start that. It's like I know this is true. Walk away. Do the next thing. Then it mm-hmm. is. It's just sitting up here. But why do I know this is true? I know that I am good at my job because of X. Because this person said something cool and then, I've had a good review. And, or, and yeah. feel that one. Yes. Just that one. Because like Claire said, you start lumping it in together and then all of a sudden it's just, <clears throat> it's a lot. But if you do it individually, it's like, oh, I do that. And I do that. And I do, damn, they're lucky to have me. Right. Like, And that's where I got to. Like right. they got to a point where I was just like, oh, fuck the shit. Like, <laughs> and then it, like my entire, my entire being switched and I was like, no, not fuck this shit. Like, I'm going to choose to go to work, going back to our last episode. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to choose to go there, and I'm going to do this because, like, 
because of this, this, and this. Right. And because of that, that, and that, I am doing my job. I am good at this. Right. Absolutely. And I think just generally, like, it's it's very help. It very... Um, what's the word I'm looking for, are common in this situation to look at it and only look at it in the context of the job or only look at it in the context of the parenting or only look at it in the context mm-hmm. of the dancing or whatever it is. And the thing about it is that what we want to do is we want to start taking care of our value need and meeting our value need at a general mm-hmm. level. So yes, you can remind yourself that I am worthy of doing my job. So I've got a piece of hair right in front of my face. And I'm trying to figure out how to get it out. Um, yes, like you can remind yourself that you are good enough to do this job. Yes, you can remind yourself you have the qualifications to do this job. But actually taking it a step deeper, you can go, yes, you can remind myself, you can remind yourself you are worthy simply because you exist, mm-hmm. period. Yeah, and take a moment to breathe that in, not just know it as a thing, but actually feel it. Yeah, not reacting to the fact you're feeling the imposter syndrome at work in parenting, because then like you can get your value up in that area. And then all of a sudden work is life or, you know, like I feel like doing it as the daily kind of ingraining well, I am worthy simply because I exist makes it so it's not like I'm only worthy at work because I've been in that situation yes. too where I've yeah. I'm like okay I've got my my work value like my career my value is really good but then I go home and I'm like mm-hmm. and I know people where it's like they know their value at work but they don't know their value outside mm-hmm. of the workplace because they know they know in their body what their value is in the workplace because they've proven it over and over and over again after years of working there but then they step outside of that and they don't realize they've proven they're worthy of existing. Uh, they're worthy because they exist every single minute of every mm-hmm. single second of every single day because they haven't been taught to connect to that. So it's like really important to, yes, we want to do it in the context of which we're being triggered in that moment. And yes, that's important to do. And if we feel innately valuable outside of that context, it's going to be far harder for that to be triggered Mm -hmm. Um, because that's what happens is that this lands on and already I don't feel good enough, which blows everything up, which makes it feel even bigger. Mm -hmm. If we feel like if I know, okay, so for example, if I know I'm valuable and I know I'm worthy and I know I'm good enough and I'm feeling a little out of kilter in terms of this work thing, is there a training course I could do? Is there something I could do to feel like I'm able to mm-hmm. do better at this job so that that's when you start to like, it starts to flip around where it's like I'm not good enough someone's going to find out as a, and, and then it's like well actually no I am good enough but if I'm feeling like I don't really know about I'm going to use my old favorite accounts mm-hmm. um like is there a training course I can do to go and learn the basics of accounts so I can feel more confident in that and that then becomes something constructive you're doing to create more of this now it's really important that you don't do what a lot of people do which is like what I first do started doing in the personal de- development and spirituality thing which is like I don't feel good enough I'm gonna try and do as many courses as I can to finally mm-hmm. feel good enough because the courses are not going to make you feel good enough you have to start with that feeling of like really connecting to that feeling of your innate value first then from that place it'll be like, okay what do I want want to do from the place of knowing I already have value Mm -hmm. and that becomes an entirely different thing anything else you want to add I'm good okay so that's it for today thank you for being here thank you for watching thank you for listening we hope that this has been helpful Um, and if there's anything on this topic where you're like oh they said this can you go into that a little bit further let us know we'd love to add it to our record list Um, but between now and next time we will be very soon thank you for being here um, and remember to stay safe to take care of yourself and to continue to meet your own needs lots of love Bye. bye friends That's it for today. If you like what you heard and would like to see some of Serena's awesome facial expressions, check out the video podcast on YouTube. And remember, imposter syndrome shows up when how we feel about our value internally doesn't match up with the value we see being placed on us externally. So in order to rectify this, take care of your value need. The first step, remembering that you are valuable and you are worthy simply because you exist. Well, shit. It really is that simple.